Welcome back once again to Let's Talk Dance with Steph. As always, this is Steph talking at you. Um, we're going to be talking more about dance today, so I'm excited for you guys to be back with me. Um, we're going to be finishing up our talks on ballet and really talking about how ballet has begun to develop and change from what most people think of as classic ballet and what we are seeing really in the starts of ballet and into the initial growth of ballet. All right, so the first change in ballet that I want to talk about is American ballet. So as I've talked about before, ballet clearly did not start in America. So when ballet came to America, it brought up um, a lot of new ideas on really what is ballet. So there were a lot of foreign choreographers that were coming over and setting works in America. Um, but obviously Americans also wanted a piece of this. Um, but ballet really started to become part of our culture in different ways than just the ballet. So um, we are seeing ballet a lot in musical theater shows. Uh, Oklahoma is one of the big ones to mention, as there's the whole dream ballet scene, um, and Agnes DeMille choreographed that. And then also in vaudeville, um, a sort of ballet was used. This was actually um, through toe dancing, and it was very um, abstracted, I guess is a good way to describe it. The girls were still on what the point shoes were of the time, but um, it was more about their different movement or they would do some tap on ballet um, or on point shoes. So it wasn't really straight up ballet with the tutus, but it was still um, an essence of ballet. And then also ballet was used in military training during the starting years of American ballet, which I think that one is super interesting to connect to because I feel like military training and ballet, uh, someone would never connect those two immediately. I don't think that um, a regular person would find really any connection between that. But I think as a dancer um, who has been taking ballet since the age of three, I kind of see how that would be a big connection there and how ballet could be really beneficial to a military training as both are very specific and very intense and rigorous. Um, yeah, I really liked this connection and was was excited to read that. Um, I feel like that's something very exciting to share that people normally, like I said, wouldn't really connect to. All right, so going back to ballet being a part of musical theater, one other um, piece that I wanted to mention that was ballet and musical theater is Fancy Free, which was choreographed by Jerome Robbins. Um, I absolutely love this piece and think it's such a great example of um, ballet integrating with musical theater and how, yeah, how these kind of blur together 
in American society and how much ballet can support a story, even if it's not um, a full-length ballet. So Fancy Free, you really see that character is strong in every movement. They are um, sailors and through sailors, and you can just tell the the connection, and it feels very um, authentic portrayed on stage, which I feel like sometimes in a normal ballet we don't really get to see a lot of. Um, obviously, the acting is there and the character development is there, but um, it's just in a different way than what we see on a musical theater stage. Uh, because the musical theater stage, they are fully embodying the character and um, nothing feels as forced, I feel like. It's more, um, I guess authentic is definitely the best word to use there. It's not um, putting on a face. It's putting on a whole character. Um, and also, I think the costuming is something that helps with this idea as well as in ballet, there's always the strict costuming. And not always, but majority of the time, um, men are going to be in the tights and the women in the tutus and the romantic length skirts. Um, whereas with Fancy Free and really other uh, Broadway ballet, I guess, um, you can, there's kind of freedom in that costuming. And so in this one, Fancy Free, they do have more fitted costumes, obviously, because it is ballet choreography and the audience still wants to see the lines and the muscle tone but um it's not as tight as tights it's more of a sailor costume um, so I just think it's really neat that ballet inspired the movement um and but like not really the style that musical theater was able to do this so um I will definitely link this video in the description of this episode so you can check that out um, because I think you'll really see what I'm talking about as I've said before it's, it's hard to talk about dance because um, it is such a visual art but um, yeah it's, it's literally a perfect example of ballet making its way into the already established American society of the arts. All right, so as we talk more about American ballet, this brings up the ideas of the diversity that we see in America. So a lot of these countries that ballet started off in are um, predominantly white, and ballet is a Eurocentric art form, so that describes it in a whole. But obviously, in America, we are very diverse and um, have many different cultures represented. And that makes it very hard to define what is America and what is American ballet and what should these things be. So what what should we define as American ballet and really any American art? So um, a lot more conversation comes up from this idea. So in school, we've all learned about the civil rights movement and um, the struggles for African Americans to have a voice in American society so, of course, ballet is going to be no different from any of that. Um, but I think it's very important to talk about how ballet does factor into this time of the civil rights movement um, and kind of some of those stories that really support those ideas but are connecting to dance still. So one of those stories that I just think is 
incredible and really uh, broadened my perspective and helped me understand the idea of representation in ballet is the story of Raven Wilkinson. So Raven was a professional ballerina and she danced with uh, Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo. And the one story that um, really drew my attention was um, the story of this company traveling to Montgomery, Alabama, and um, how when they got there, they really had to hide Raven almost because um, she was lighter skinned. So that um, made it a little more acceptable to be in the company, but she was a beautiful dancer, of course. That's how she made it in the company. Uh, but this wasn't really, really accepted, and especially in Montgomery. Um, it's really not not accepted at all. So um, they couldn't even let her perform on the stage because it was so intense. Um, yeah, and they didn't want that violence. And I just think the idea of someone not being able to perform, even though they are in a company, um, I don't know. It's It's very hard to think about because you make the company, you, you are part of them and they, everyone else in the company was supporting her, but for such outside reasons that you just, you can't perform. It's just baffling to me to even think about. Um, but there is a lot to learn from that. Um, that in the interview that I watched of Raven Wilkinson talking about this experience, uh, she said, human nature is so strange. And I think that's kind of what a lot of the conversation of African Americans in ballet comes back to. I mean, we we are fatu- in, in, we are infatuated with um, African American culture, and we still see that today. But there's still so much so much hate towards these, and we um, on the same same token, we are we love beautiful dancers and we love people with beautiful lines so why does it matter with their skin tone but when you look at this um these were all the problems with raven wilkinson and how people were viewing her so overall i just think it's really important to mention that it's not these directors that are causing all these issues in ballet i mean it may be fully but they're not the ones just to blame, and the other dancers are not the ones to blame. You have to think ballet is a business, and ballets are created to draw in patrons to watch the ballet. That's, um, I mean, all dance, we want an audience, but really ballet, it's really focused on that support that you're getting from the audience. And if people at the time were putting dancers on stage that the audience was not going to like, they were going to lose all of their revenue. So it's it's so sad to think that this this is what it was, but that was America during the time, and um, that's just problems ballet companies had to face and challenges they had to figure out how to solve these problems. Um, so, yeah, I think it all just comes back down to people being human and um, America running as a business and ballet running as the same business. All right, so to finish off and um, really draw the line to connect to today in ballet, I want to talk about how ballet is starting to evolve. So um, 
I learned a little bit about the Trocaderos and Matthew Bourne um, recreation of Swan Lake, um, specifically the Four Swans piece that Swan Lake is very much known for. And I think that these examples are a great way to understand how ballet is really trying to evolve today from the classical ballet that um, most people only associate ballet with. Um, so in these, they they really still connect to the movement and the aesthetic of the traditional Swan Lake, but they will have men performing these and really beginning to blur the lines of this is the only thing that we can see in ballet um, is the white, the long lines, the beautiful dancers. So there's more, and everyone can honestly do ballet if they go through the training and have the skill set for this. So um, I also think these are great examples because they they touch on more than just race in ballet. They also touch on gender and sexuality, which um, brings up a whole new set of ideas for a whole nother podcast. But um, yeah, and then another connection of ballet still trying to evolve today is um, hip-lay. So this is a combination of ballet and hip-hop. Um, and this, once again, could take a whole nother podcast to talk about because it's very controversial on if it's getting enough credit to ballet, but also is it giving enough credit to hip-hop. Um, but I think that um, these two ideas are two that are essential to making ballet move forward because Everything needs to keep growing in some way or another. Otherwise, it's going to become obsolete and people aren't going to be interested. Yes, people still love the classics, but um, to gain new interest and draw people into those classics, something needs to be current, something needs to be talked about. Um, It's the same in music. We all love classic rock music, um, but a lot of popular songs will uh, sample from these old songs and then that brings in greater connections. So, Everything must keep developing is the main point I'm making here. And I think um, the Trocaderos and Hippler are great, great examples of how ballet can keep evolving today. And um, they really, it makes it exciting to see what, what ballet could become in the future and in the coming years as um, these artists are being exposed to this and um, what new ideas they may have. All right, I know that was a ton of information that kind of seemed all over the place today, but um, I really just wanted to draw those connections from ballet coming to America to where ballet is today and really help everyone understand that ballet is going to keep evolving to stay current and um, really start thinking of what are those new ways that we're going to see ballet evolve So I hope you guys really enjoyed listening to this episode and learning about ballet. I'll be back again later. Um, Hope you guys have a great time and keep talking dance. So let's dance.